You are listening to the Australian Breastfeeding Podcast, where everyday girls let you in on their breastfeeding journeys. And I will unpack all things breastfeeding. I'm your host, Susie Prout, a midwife and lactation consultant. Let's get into it. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Australian Breastfeeding Podcast. Today, I'm interviewing Amanda Rowe. Now, Amanda is from Instagram. You will see her at Feeding Friend, which I will tag below so you can find her there. But as well as that, she's also a mum of three, a Perth mum of three, and she's had her fair share of breastfeeding struggles as well, so much so that she actually invented and made a product for breastfeeding mums because she was struggling so much with her second child and the breastfeeding journey that went with that. So we've got a really interesting story for you today and I think you girls are all going to really enjoy it. So Amanda, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to chat with me. Oh, thank you Susie so much for having me. It's a pleasure to chatting with you. Awesome, awesome. So can you just let the listeners know a little about you and um, how many kids you've got and how old they are? Um, Sure. So I have three children. My eldest is six. My middle child, um, my daughter is five and I have a two-year-old, soon to be three-year-old. And my two older children are autistic. Um, My daughter is actually currently being assessed. So it's been very interesting (laughs) over the last few with their diagnosis and um, yes you're spot on Susie I definitely have had my fair share of breastfeeding challenges (laughs) oh yeah gosh and um has that just been a recent thing with the um diagnoses of autism or is that being a a long-term thing that you've known about Uh, so with my firstborn it was flagged just at the child health Um, nurse appointment at around 18 months uh, flagged for speech delays and I just sort of went with the flow I didn't really know what was normal um, or what to expect I had a lot of family tell me it's he's a boy so they're delayed but I just wanted to push aside everyone's opinions and just stick with the healthcare professionals guidance because that's they're trained in that area and I'm so glad I did Susie because it's not until he was a bit older so around the age of two and a half three and a half that there was obvious signs that there's something different about him Um, but because I went through the public system um, with his diagnosis I, I took a really long time so it took four years in total for him to be officially diagnosed which we received the diagnosis last year Um, but it it was so important to get because the help and support once you get the diagnosis has just uh, has improved his confidence his social skills his speech Um, yeah so I'm really really proud of how far he's come Um, but in the earlier years I guess with a newborn and and just having not having the typical um, signals received back that looking back that was challenging and yeah yeah the cues and all of all of that so I don't know whether that tied in with some of the breastfeeding things I don't think so because you know they just cry yeah, <laughs> they cry yeah, when they, they do but maybe when he was older look I really wanted to exclusively breastfeed all my children um yeah. but I struggled the most with my first two children right yes yes and um I know that we'll go through your really kind of hard experience with your second but I'll go back to your first and um, can you just let me know a little bit about um, how the birth went and then because often the birth 
can lead into how breastfeeding goes in those early days. Oh, wow. Okay. So the birth, um, yeah, it actually went quite smoothly, I guess, like with, um, you'd, you'd probably hear this a lot, um, Susie, I wanted to just sort of test the waters and see how I go with the pain. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. I, yeah, I managed, luckily enough, I managed to get the epidural, which was really strange pushing when you don't know when to push. Um, yeah. I didn't, I didn't really know, but I think he was vacuumed out. Um, everything was, went smooth. He came at 37 weeks and he's a September baby. So the midwives and nurses said they were very busy and I didn't really, uh, I did not meet a lactation consultant when I was in hospital. And I felt um, it was very difficult for me to breastfeed. I was sort of shocked. My first experience of breastfeeding was a lady. She must have been a nurse, obviously. (laughs) She came in and she just, without warning, grabbed my nipple and just was squeezing it. And she must have looked at my face and said, oh, I'm hand expressing. But I didn't do any of the the prenatal classes. I I didn't do any of those, which I probably should have. So I had no idea what was happening and um, I felt violated. But she managed to get the colostrum out and syringed it out. But, yeah, it just petrified me. Yeah, there's a lot of girls that say, and as a midwife it's really good to know when girls say that when midwives are teaching about hand expressing that often they don't feel that there was a level of consent there or a level of explanation as to what you're doing and it's really good for midwives I guess to remember that it's so important to remember that some of these girls have never experienced never heard of hand expressing in their lives you know so what they're doing is totally foreign yeah, I had no idea what what was going on. I, and I guess before having children, I always wondered what the sensation or what it would feel like to produce milk. But yeah, anything after that, I never thought of. I, I didn't, you know, it wasn't on my mind. I, did, I didn't even know it was a thing, hand expressing. Yeah. So, yeah, that threw me. And also the colour of the colostrum threw me. I couldn't believe it was yellow. Yeah, uh, in, right. terms of, <laughs> in terms of <laughs> breastfeeding, though, this is really, I found this really interesting. I never actually saw milk for about maybe two or three weeks because I could never express. I could not see the color of the milk except for those first few days in hospital where they were helping hand express. Um, but yeah, I never actually saw any milk. And so I went home with a newborn and he fed I think it was for 40 minutes at a time. And it was just incredibly exhausting, Mm -hmm. um, painful. Um, It just, it was such a blurry time in my life, but it felt like he was feeding 40 minutes in total. So on each side, a total of 40 minutes. And then in like an hour and a half, he would need to feed again. So I just thought, how does anyone get through the first few weeks? Like it was a quite depressing time yeah. <laughs> it's when yeah. it's supposed to be a wonderful time bonding but it's hard when you have no sleep yeah but um absolutely. I, for about two months I was in excruciating pain and I um went to I, I mentioned it to the, the nurses who come and visit you at home I said that it really really hurts and they kept saying it was normal mm-hmm. and they referred me on to my local community lactation group and 
the lactation consultant said I was doing everything right in terms of positioning and latching and um, doing the whole uh, where you put the nipple over the top lip and shove it in their mouth. <laughs> and that sort of technique, um, I was trying to get a, a proper latch, like a deep latch, but it still really hurt. And the pain, the, the only way I can describe the pain was like razor blades from my back shoulder blade that travelled all the way over my shoulder and then through my nipple when I had a letdown. And it turns out that I actually had mastitis. But ah. I, didn't, I didn't have the typical visible signs of mastitis, um, which is the red, uh, the visible lumps and the, the redness. Um, I only knew that something was wrong when my baby threw up and he had blood in the vomit. Oh. And that's when I went to the doctor and I just swab and said, you've actually got mastitis. But that pain I had been dealing with for about a month. Um, Gosh. <laughs> and a month of mastitis that I didn't know I had. So it's really, I guess it's really important if you are in so much pain that, okay, yes, the, the teething problems in, in the tenderness and the soreness of the baby navigating through breastfeeding is there. Yes. But deeper pain than that. Like I, yeah, it was really bad pain. It was yeah. antibiotics fixed that. And I, um, yeah, managed to breastfeed my son until he turned one because I, he just all of a sudden didn't want my breast milk anymore. And right. I was trying to get two years, um, like the World Health Organization recommends. Is that still the... Yeah, the, yeah, 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 as a, as a general guide, yeah. Yeah, and he just didn't want my milk anymore. And then I found out I was pregnant. Oh. <laughs> it like, must have changed the flavor of my milk, being pregnant. But, um, yeah, yeah, he yeah. just didn't want it anymore yeah right um, so, yeah, that, so that was and so I can't believe um that amount of pain that you must have been in for that month or, or more when you had the infection and when you had the you know that is that excruciating pain over your shoulder that would have been really really hard for you oh I was in tears I was crying I said to my husband just go I can't do this anymore you need to go and buy some formula he did at one point go and buy formula but then I had the whole the guilt that no I just want to exclusively breastfeed I was beating myself up mentally when all I should have done was go to the doctor and describe yeah, the pain yeah, and, yeah. and the pain I'm going through but I didn't I just thought maybe this is normal maybe you know, yeah. maybe it's supposed to be this painful. I don't know. Yeah. But, and so for girls, I mean, for girls <laughs> listening that are, you know, going to the or pregnant, breastfeeding can be painful in the early days, but it would be on the nipple only would be the pain. And it usually should be saying to get better. If you've got a good attachment, you know, the pain should not be there for weeks and weeks or, or months on end. Um, and so if you're seeing someone and, and a midwife is saying to you yeah everything looks good from the outside well she can't actually see what's exactly going on in your baby's mouth or what the nipple's doing so don't take no for an answer and, and keep um, searching because you can have a pain-free experience but we've got to look at it like from a completely holistic point of view mm. yeah yeah um, definitely really good yeah. advice um, yeah had the usual chafing um bleeding nipples uh with my first i used the nipple creams to help um which was good um i tried a nipple shield it just it didn't work for me but i i know um a lot of my girlfriends have used it and it works really well and yeah when my i had a very traumatic birth 
my other two children. Um, so uh, my contractions are not progressive. They just kind of, they're all random. Right. Um, so my daughter was born at 35 weeks and she had a single artery in the umbilical cords. So they were concerned oh. that she may have some sort of issues in terms of her organ development. But because she was 35 weeks, so I went into labour on uh, Good Friday and she didn't arrive until Easter Monday. And um, oh. that's because I... Um, went and had a shower. <laughs> I didn't know that having a shower may bring on contractions. And um, yeah, it was very, very traumatic. It just, bang, the head was coming as soon as I had this hot shower. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> because my hair was wet, my hair kept going over my face and I couldn't breathe through the contractions and they sort of said it's too late for an epidural. And um, I think the traumatic part was... The fact that they, when she was born, they took her away from me and I just wanted to hold her and mm. they left me, they left me in a corridor, what felt like 40 minutes. And I went into shock because they were trying to find the paperwork to knock me out so that they could remove the placenta. And I just think that waking up, not knowing where my baby was or what happened or yeah. <laughs> how many hours I had to sleep. That I honestly believe you're right, Susie, that really affected the way I bonded with her. Um, and it still to this day affects me. I still, you know, for a good year, I, I'd be crying in the shower from the trauma of birth. <laughs> with yeah. my I know I'm going yeah. off on a tangent here and I'm no, sorry. No, no, it's, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but look, I, again, I thought, great, second child, I'm going to ace this whole breastfeeding thing. I'm going to be like a you know, a dairy cow, I'm going to have so much milk. And no, I, again, I couldn't express milk. I really wanted to be able to express so that my husband could do the night feeds at least. And yeah, I tried every sort of pump imaginable. It turns out I had incredible amounts of anxiety. And I think that stemmed from being out in public and breastfeeding in public with my son having special needs. When he would run off, I'd become anxious that I've got, you know, my daughter attached to the boob and I wouldn't yeah. be able to get him back. Um, yeah. So yeah. that all, all that anxiety sort of stemmed and grew. And I was also publicly shamed for breastfeeding in public. Um, oh, God. Which you read about and you hear about, but to think it actually, uh, I mean, for me, I was so shocked that it actually happened to me, that my confidence with nursing in public just completely diminished. I can't and believe that I, happened. I didn't think, I mean, look, I do know that it does happen um, every now and then. I was hoping that things are improving. I personally haven't experienced it with my three. What did, um, do you mind me asking what exactly happened? Sure. And I was actually shamed by my best friend at the time. Oh, God. <laughs> Um, I, so, um, I was publicly shamed for breastfeeding on my very first outing with my firstborn. Um, he was three months and obviously I had just finished the antibiotics and, you know, it was more comfortable to breastfeed and it was my very first public outing with, with a newborn. And we went to Dome Cafe in Hillary's and she, at the time, her son was a couple of months older than mine. And we sat down and she was preparing her bottle, um, absolutely no judgment there at all she was preparing her bottle to feed and I 
grabbed my son out of the pram and um, was fixing my clothes. And she said, are you about to feed him? I said, yeah, you are too, aren't you? And she said, oh, are you about to breastfeed? And I said, yeah. And I could feel myself starting to sweat. And she said, oh, there's restrooms over there. And she pointed out the direction of where the restrooms were. And I still to this day cannot believe I did this, but I was so embarrassed. I did I didn't actually feed him. I put him back into the pram. I gave him a dummy and then I left. I went to the car park, fed him in my car and then cried all the way home. And we're no longer friends now. (laughs) Oh my (laughs) gosh. I'm so, I, yeah, I feel so defeated and yeah, I beat myself up over that and I wish I was stronger and I had thicker skin back then um, to say, you know, to stand up for my son's rights and yeah. my rights to feed. But I just, yeah, it just crushed me. So, Oh, and I when it's your first as well, like, you know, when I feel like I would have been the same with my first because you feel so nervous about everything. I guess when you get to your third, you're like, right, who's going to yes. say something? <laughs> Very fiery um, with my third. But, look, I, I yeah, I think... From those events, I um, developed anxiety while breastfeeding. And and when my daughter, my second born, when she was about six or seven months old, I was um, kid wrangling, so picking up my toddler and trying to hold her to breastfeed. And I developed carpal tunnel in both my hands. Oh. And that's sort of how the business um, started. I, I sent my husband out to look for a feeding pillow from the advice of my GP who said, support your hands while feeding, which is what I thought of it pillow was for because look nursing pillows in my opinion I I always believe that you don't need anything to navigate through breastfeeding and and Mm. uh, learn that technique with your new baby but when the reason why I needed one was purely to support my hands so off he went to look for a feeding pillow that was not flat because I didn't hold her in a horizontal position because she was <laughs> nearly seven months and yeah. um, I said I needed a portable pillow so that's sort of how it started and we I cut up pieces of foam and ended up making my own and with my third son um, I um, again was hoping for an epidural but um, they said no <laughs> because I wasn't three centimeters oh, and yeah. um and then bang, head came. And I had to go through all of that again, which I don't <laughs> wish that on anyone. I mean, it's different if you prepare for a, you know, a drug-free birth. But yeah. when you don't prepare for one, it's, yeah, um, very hard. But, but, I mean, he was, he was good. I, and I don't know, what, what is your opinion, Susie, on the, on the placenta pills? Because that's what I had with him. And I, oh. for the first time, I was able to express. And I had you know, I had milk with him and I feel like that combined, combined with some lactation cookies that I was, you know, eating bags of, <laughs> I think that actually helped, helped my, helped me express, but maybe it's also the confidence too. I was a bit more relaxed and I was using my pillow, of course, but. Yeah. And I wonder if you didn't have that anxiety around the milk flowing and around expressing and you, yeah. I mean, Confidence and being able to relax and be able to trust in your body and trust in the process is such a big thing with milk supply as well. I mean, as well as the milk being um, kind of emptied and your breast being emptied and drained frequently, but as well as that, having that confidence and, and realizing that it is what it is and, and your body is made to do this and all of that. And girls often find as they go on, the more babies they have, the better their milk supply is. And we wonder if it's a yeah. combination of, of many things. 
Yeah, possibly. And you're right about, you're spot on with um, the tension in your shoulders because I was always tensing my shoulders and I think relaxing my shoulders just initiated uh, the letdown and I have never been um, those mums where milk just flows out instantly. My babies have had to work for the letdown. But, yes. um, yeah, definitely relax, feeling relaxed definitely helped with my third and my milk. And, yeah, yeah he fed me. And yeah, I miss, I actually miss breastfeeding. Is that weird? <laughs> no, no, I am. Um, I actually, I feel the same. I feel like it was such a, it felt like it went, you know, in an instant, but it didn't because I've just weaned my third and she's now two. And, you know, I started yeah. breastfeeding seven years ago <laughs> with my first. So, yeah, it's been a long time, but you do just say you're like, oh, that chapter's kind of closed in your life, isn't it? And you're like, okay, yeah. so that's done now. It's um, it's a really strange fe- feeling. With my first and my second, I was like, that's okay, because I knew we were going to have three kids. And I was like, that's all right, I'll breastfeed again. And now it's like, oh, and that is done. <laughs> oh, it's bittersweet, isn't it? I, yeah. I just think beautiful thing being able to breastfeed your child and I know a lot of women struggle and 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 it is look it is really really hard but oh I'm so proud that I managed to get through my breastfeeding journey but I do I do really miss it and yeah and how do you know when you're done having babies like I'm at that stage where I know I feel like I'm done like I, I can't you know I'm I'm at that next chapter of my life but there's something in me that goes I'm I love babies. Like I, I know. I'm very much oh. like I love the um, before they start to move, like when you can still put them on the floor and they can't run away from you. I love that part. And they start to crawl oh. and I'm like, okay, now you're getting hard. <laughs> oh, those first six months oh. or eight months or whatever it is where they just, you know, non-mobile and you can take them everywhere with you. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I know I'm exactly the same. But luckily my um, husband had the snip. So as much as I... <laughs> <laughs> Go my yeah. oh, well, that's where we can be reversed. Did you breastfeed all your children? Yeah, yes. My first um what he actually self-weaned. I know a lot of people say that babies can't self-wean under the age of one, um, but he certainly did at about nine months. But then again, he was having bottles because I was going back I was at back at work so he was having bottles when I was not there and then he just didn't want the boo because a lot of babies once they start having a bottle they're like oh this is easy I'll I'll have that yeah, please yeah. um and my second um, yeah easily with um my second I think it was about two years and then my third two years as well so yeah it was um I mean it hasn't been as, as you know it's, it's a rocky road breastfeeding it's up and down isn't it it is. Do you feel that your hormones are changing now that you've weaned your third? Yeah, I am. Um, I think now well, it's kind of all settled now, but certainly when I first stop um, and then my cycle comes back and everything, I feel quite low. And a lot of my clients mm. will ask me if this is normal. And it is. It's because it's like when you first have your baby and there's a hormone change or when you first yeah. stop breastfeeding, your, your body is going back to um, a state of wanting to have another baby. Like it's a it changes because when you're when you're breastfeeding it becomes a bit of a dormant kind of state not very fertile and then yeah and then it changes again and gosh we have to deal with so many hormones don't we (laughs) oh and women are incredible we honestly go through so so many changes but we're just absolutely incredible and every mother should be very very proud however your child is born or yeah definitely and I want to just talk about I want to just talk about the portable nursing pillow. So the feeding friend, because I feel like we um, 
just went over that quickly, but I want to go back. And um, so when you first were like, right, I've cut out all this foam and I've, I've made this pillow for myself. Did you just have like a bit of a light bulb moment? Like, Oh, I could make this. How did it kind of come about? (laughs) Well, I was using foam pieces under my arm and uh, uh, my husband just said, that's ridiculous. We'll find one on eBay. And I, I said, Oh, let's have a look. And we actually just, we just couldn't find anything at that time in that shape. And I wanted something that I could travel with because I was never at home with a toddler in tow. And so, yeah, he just said, let's, you know, let's just make our own. And the whole uh, portability with the self-inflating valve actually came from the concept of a camping pillow, a self-inflating camping pillow. Um, So yeah, so we kind of added that in with product design and you can roll it up, travel with it, safe to use on planes. Um, There's no I mean, there's, I get a lot of questions um, at expos asking if there's batteries or gadgets inside and, <laughs> and it, there's not, there's not, it's simply just, it's foam inside and, and the, the valve allows airflow to go in or out. So if you want to inflate it, you need to open the valve to allow air into the foam and the foam, when it expands, pushes the exterior layer outwards to give it its shape. Um, the very first time you inflate it, though, you have to leave it overnight, which is the nature of the material, similar to like a pool inflatable, like if you have, you know, the pink flamingos shoved in storage and it's all crinkly and hard material. Yeah. Um, heat can affect the inflation times and so climate and cold weather as well. So once the initial inflation takes place and with regular use, if you're constantly rolling the pillow up to store it or just using it in general, it, it'll inflate really quickly, about 10 seconds. But a lot of my customers who, who buy the products just keep it inflated and some even just shove the wedge underneath the pram even. It's already quite a small pillow because it's only designed to support your wrist, your hand, your forearm, and in some cases your elbow. If you're burping the baby, you can place it under your elbow to just relax and, you know, yeah. take that pressure. And that's what I love about the, the pillow because a lot of my practice is looking at attachment and positioning of, my, of um, babies and a lot of the time mums will use pillows, not necessarily nursing pillows, but pillows of any sort or nursing pillows, and they'll use them to to aid the, the baby in attachment. So the baby's lying on the pillow and then you're not using as much of your hand or as much of your body to help the baby. And then if you, if you the baby is rolling away and not nice and close to the mum, then mm. you get attachment problems. So often, you know, the pillows are great, as you say, if you use them the way they're meant to be used, which is to help the mum and help the mum's shoulder and help the mum's arm and the way that you've um, designed yours. Yeah, I think that you're really clever. I think... Um, must have been a lot of hard work with as with you know two young children <laughs> it became my project it was honestly my my saving grace because it's very difficult to have um two young children yeah. months apart yeah I just needed more fuel for my brain and um I I mean I have larger breasts too so the finding some of those feeding pillows that were quite high just didn't work for me. The, um, the design of the pillow caters to women of all sort of breast sizes because you can basically position it. At, it's a, an angled pillow, so you can position it at an angle um, under your arm. I have to stress that point, under your arm. Um, <laughs> yeah. In any sort of sitting, feeding position. So, yeah, it, 
Yeah, I mean, I love holding my babies while breastfeeding. I don't know why he wouldn't. No, no, exactly. Uh, Absolutely. It's all about the cuddles, isn't it? Now, um, before we go, I just wonder if you've got any more advice for any new mums or any pregnant mums listening um, as they are about to kind of embark on their first breastfeeding journey. Do you have any kind of words of wisdom from an experienced mum? Yeah, if, if your baby starts crying and your baby is due for a feed, Just take a few seconds to check if you have what you need before you sit down because you could be there for a really long time, (laughs) such as water, where you're sitting. Just make sure you look after yourself because sitting there for a while in those very early stages when you have a newborn, yeah, it's important you have your sort of your creature comforts with you. Um, And yeah, look, it does get easier. (laughs) That's my advice. It does get easier. Yeah, and it's once you guys get into you know um, a rhythm, it's just just treasure that moment. Take lots of get your partner to take lots of photos because you're going to want to look back and think, wow, look, that's that's Mother Nature right there. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, thank you, and thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Oh, it's an honor. Pleasure. Thanks so much for joining me. And um, I'm going to put Amanda's Instagram handle down in the bottom so you girls can go and find her. All right. Thanks, Amanda. Bye. Thanks, Lizzie. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really hope you got something out of it and at the very least made you feel not so alone in your breastfeeding journey. Share it with a friend who you feel may benefit from it or leave a review on your podcast streaming app. The more this podcast is shared and reviewed, the more women can benefit from this because we need to talk about breastfeeding more. Bye for now.